This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. Keisha Knight-Polium has grown up on TV, playing characters on shows like The Cosby Show to Tyler Perry's House of Pain. They know Rudy. They know Miranda. I've been in the business literally for 36 years. Keisha's an actress, philanthropist, foodie, and now hosts of her own podcast. This is an opportunity for you, my friends, my fans, to get to know me, just Keisha. This is Candidly Keisha. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. I cannot believe it is Friday again, but I can say, like, I think I really feel more like myself today than I, I have since giving birth. It's kind of weird. That's good. It's, it's, it's interesting, and um, this is my first day. In the studio today, we have Shardy has come back to us. Hello, everyone. Hallelujah. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. I'm here. <laughs> And we also have a very good, my friend, my sister, I don't even know, like, <laughs> I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, I don't even remember the first time meeting you. Like, that's how long I we've know. known each it's other. It's been a long time. So we have Miss Aisha Obafemi in the Hi. studio. She's pretty freaking amazing. She is the the female force behind keeping all of the guys straight over at DTP and Ebony's son and, you know, all of that, um, you know, Chris, Ludacris, Shaka, Jeff, Aisha, like everyone over there is definitely family. Um, have known them, you guys like pretty, like probably like college is probably the first time mm-hmm. that, that's crazy because clearly I Long was, time. came to Spelman in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> that's 20 years ago. 20 years ago this year. Ooh. I'm old. No, you're not. Oh my gosh. You look good. I look good, girl. Yes. But thank you. But no, I wanted to do a special like Black History Month show um, for this, you know, February is Black History Month. And I feel so often we kind of talk about the same things. Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass, maybe W.E.B. Du Bois or Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. You know, this person invented this, that. And everyone tries to cram everything into this month. And I saw the best thing on Instagram is it's one of those love-hate relationships right now with me. But it was said, you know, I'm black every month, and right. I feel that way. And I know you grew up that way as well, as yes. well as, you know, Shardy, for y'all, those of, you, those of you who don't know, is also my cousin. And we, I can speak, grew up with being instilled the pri- that sense of pride for who we are from whence we came and for all that we are destined to do and to become. Yeah, same for my family. And a lot of kids even today, they don't get that except for these 28 days a year. Right. And it's unfortunate because what I know is there is no such thing as black history because it's all of our history. We have helped build 
every amazing civilization and been an integral part of it, including this nation that we live in right here. That's right. So that's why it was so crazy to me when, you know, people like with the whole this whole election and with Trump and the whole thing, you know, has really in so way so many ways divided the country and brought up that racist underbelly that people want to act as though it doesn't exist. Even from you know, and so often people do things that are biased or racist that don't even realize it. They don't even know that that's where that is coming from. They don't recognize it as I'm making an assumption about someone based on the color of their skin. Um, And it's amazing to me because, you know, when they were doing that, well, go home or, you know, like there were people actually shouting like, well, go back to Africa if you don't like this. Mm -hmm. No, we built this country. We have every right to be here just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. And we deserve every piece of citizenship of every privilege that comes with it because we helped create this country along with every other immigrant who has come to this country. We are a country that is founded on, you know, immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. period. Yeah, because those same people who are saying, go home, they're immigrants. we're not from here. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the part that kills me. I'm like, can you please go to Ancestry.com and do your little swab of your <laughs> cheek so you can see where across the country your family really comes from. Because no one here is a purebred anything. We are a country of mutts, mm-hmm. period, point blank. True. And, you know, even when people are like, oh, like, I have as much black and white and everything else in me by virtue of the slave trade. We are all mixed up with everything. Some of us have a little bit of more than the others, yeah. but you can't segregate like a piece of you out right. and be like that's only me right so before we get into this i do have one thing i have to say mm-hmm. so i shared a story last week about my birth experience um on our labor and delivery show and it was amazing to me that out of the 40 some odd 40 almost 45 minutes that the show was <laughs> people chose to only hone in on one baby story that was maybe about three minutes of what we talked about that day, no more than five. Um, the story that I shared um, w- about trying to learn how to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing that so many people picked up the story and only picked up that part and tried to make it as salacious as possible and tried to paint it as though I was being racist toward this woman. Um, And I just have, I'm going to read the statement that I actually put on my Instagram because, you know, people were kind of attacking me for it. But one thing and a quote that I live by, Dr. Maya Angelou said, you know, people forget what you say, they may forget what you do, but they will never forget the way you make them feel. And I know how I was made to feel in this situation. And it was just sharing um, my experience and also for it not, I did not, and it shouldn't have overshadowed all of the other people who did such a great job at the hospital. Everyone from my doctors to my nurses to, you know, when I tell you everyone, black, white, Filipino, in between, you know, were awesome. And it was just one lady who clearly, you know, she had a bias. I'm I'm just going to read my statement. This is what I put on Instagram. I just said, and then someone was like, oh, it's because they didn't recognize you. You feel some kind of, no. One thing, if you have listened to Candid Lakeisha, if you know me, I am so not that celebrity type. Not at all. You know, I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, acting, all of these things are what I do. It is not the totality of who I am. And I don't lead with that. I don't. That's just not who. It's just one of the things I do, period. Um, So for anyone to even assume that it was about a whole celebrity thing, you're sadly mistaken. Because that's not my heart at all. So... 
This one lady, I forgot what she said. I may have deleted her comment because I will block delete your ass. We've discussed this. Because <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's my your IG, page. so yes. I can do that. You can do it on yours. And you know what? I'm just, I'm going to get to it. But it kills me. You know how much more time it takes to write a mean-spirited comment than to just don't like the picture? Right. Exactly. Don't well, comment. Unfollow you. Unfollow me. If you don't like what I have to say, you don't have to. It's okay. So what I said to, I think her name was Tia Tells It How. Oh, it's Tia Tells It How It Is. That was her name. <laughs> how it's not. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, it wasn't just her. This was kind of a culmination to a few people who had said something on my page. And she had said something to the effect of, um, that, oh, it's because I was a celebrity and I was mad because she didn't and thought, you know. And a lot of people have also commented, like, WIC isn't welfare. I'm sorry, guys, but WIC is a federally funded program to help subsidize for families who cannot afford, which also means a form of welfare. I'm not hating. I got family. We I, Back in the day, they were called food stamps. If you ain't no good fried bologna and government cheese sandwich, I'm from <laughs> North New Jersey. That was the best yes. ever. So it's not slighting in any kind of way those who need the program. But, guys, it is a form of welfare. Maybe you don't like that word, but it is a federally, federally funded program to assist mothers and children in need. So this is what I said to tell it how it is. Actually, you are completely wrong. This situation had nothing to do with being recognized or famous. As a 37-year-old black woman, I know the difference between bias, judgment, stereotyping, and racism. This was a situation where a certain set of assumptions were made as a result of racial bias. I believe the woman probably truly felt she was helping and was unaware of the assumptions she had made about me. I had been asked all of the quote-unquote regular intake questions days prior, which included if I received government assistance and was in no way offended. The hurtful part was that I was in need of help, learning how to breastfeed, specifically helping my baby latch. And instead of questioning, but instead she questioned if I had insurance. And out of all the programs on this particular sheet, there were about 25 numbers and programs, including... Recommendations for breastfeeding. Help. Mm. She only pointed out Wick. I know how I was made to feel as a result of this interaction. You nor anyone else other than my doula was in the room with me to experience what I experienced. Additionally, there is nothing wrong with Wick. It is a wonderful government program to assist women and children. I'm from Newark, New Jersey, and I know all about Wick and back-in-the-day food stamps. The saddest part about the whole blown-out-of-proportion experience is that it was such a small five-minute blip of my entire birth experience. I had the greatest team of doctors, nurses, and hospital staffs. staff. Everyone down to the lady who delivered my meals was awesome. And FYI, the nurse who finally helped me get this whole breastfeeding thing down was a kind, loving, warm-hearted mother of two who also happened to be white. So, that's all I have to say about it. And next time, instead of just reading excerpts, just come listen to the whole thing and make exactly. a judgment for yourself. Yeah, That's all I have to say. So, well answered. said. Well Thank said. you. Yes. Thank you. Spellman degree coming in. That's yes, right. Ma'am. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't realized, I'm silly. So, there are things, even lactation lady who, yeah, I may be silly and tell the story about, but it's from, it's just who I am. I'm not going to apologize for being me. And you shouldn't have to. 
So on to black history, now that we've had that amazing entrance That was black it. history. Yes, it was, it was. <laughs> and that's something I also want to get people to see, that black history isn't just what happened back in the day. It's what's happening right now. And that's what's most important. Absolutely. So I wanted you, because granted you've done so much business-wise, your family and everything, the most amazing thing I love, and I don't even know when I first learned of these stories, but like hearing the story of you growing up and how your family was instrumental in black history. Yeah. Share. I think. I'll just let you start wherever you want to start. <laughs> and I don't know where to start, but um, I think a lot of times, a lot of our friends or people who know us will say, I never knew this. I never knew that. Because when we were growing up, we didn't share mm-hmm. a lot. Um, my parents, I, I say that I grew up in a musically, a musical revolutionary household. Absolutely. Because my parents sang, and they were also black nationalists. Mm-hmm. So last year was the 50-year anniversary of the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. My mother was a Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to ask you about something else, because someone yes. also on my page was like, you were all uninformed. WIC was started by the Black Panther Party. <laughs> I said, I said, if you're going to come for me, can you at least have your facts straight? Because I know about the Black Panther Party. And yes, they had programs They're to feed about, the children. Right. They had the breakfast but program. It, yes. And I know about those. I was like, in Oakland, California, but it was not WIC. (laughs) People will try to rewrite history, (laughs) clearly. Um, And um, besides being a member of the Black Panther Party, my my mother and my biological father, because I have two fathers, Mm -hmm. my my second father, I don't call him Step Bilal, he's also a Black Panther. And my mom... And my father, Ahmed, were also members of the Republic of New Africa, mm-hmm. which, and it's funny you were saying earlier how we helped to build this country. So the Republic of New Africa was um, created in 1968. Mm-hmm. And basically, the premise of it, part of it, not the full premise, but part of it was that we as black people should have land in five states, okay. which they felt that we were very instrumental in building. Georgia has to be one of oh, them. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Louisiana, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, and South Carolina. Okay. Because those states said the slaves built up so much in those southern yeah, states. Yeah, that was slave You know, with the ports mm-hmm. where we came into, you know, New Orleans being a huge one, Savannah being another one. Um and just the way that we were treated and, and how many of us were put into these places. Right. So part of that meant that we had to live. You had to live on the land. Right. So you have to, you know, move to these states and you, you move. So I actually lived for some time in Mississippi, um, here in Georgia, New for Orleans. a longer time, in New Orleans. And family is from South Carolina. Got it. Um, so three of my grandparents are actually from South Carolina, but then relocated to New York. Mm-hmm. And then one grandparent is from Georgia, from mm-hmm. Milledgeville, Eatonton We probably area. like cousins for real. We for probably real. are. We probably are. My mom's side, Shardy, we're, we're related, is from Montgomery, Alabama, which okay. my gra- our grandparents were mm-hmm. in the midst of 
the civil rights movement in wow. Montgomery. Like yeah. Nana, probably you're going. She did you know that um, um, Rosa Parks like taught at the NAACP had like a children's program yeah, back I in the day. My Nana went she to the program, that? and oh, Rosa wow. Parks was her. That? Yes. But That's I'm listening. amazing. Sorry, yes, I'm history, listening. history. Yeah. And so my, my grandfather, who was actually born in Tampa, Florida, but family is from Georgia, his mom was, um, they didn't call it a maid, but... Domestic? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She was a domestic, so she worked in between Georgia and Florida, okay. like where she could get work. Mm-hmm. So I guess while she was working in Florida, she gave birth to my grandfather. And then, okay. you know, came back to Georgia. So he actually was born in Florida. And he was also a Tuskegee Airman. Oh, wow. And my grandfather was actually a black nationalist, too. He's the one who got my mom into it and everything. So he eventually lived in New York where he met my grandmother and everything, and they met at the Roxy dancing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then he moved to Boston later after they separated. And he started the Black United Front up there. So he, he knew Malcolm X, you know, did a lot of things with him. He knew Louis Farrakhan. Mm. Um, so when the Republic of New Africa started, he became their minister of defense. Okay. And he also served as minister of information. So my grandfather was a boxer. Brilliant boxer. So taught me how to box. Oh, Lord. He's an amazing chess player. Taught me how to play chess. Um, and just, you know, just very rigid like it, it was it was almost like you could tell he was in the service right. you know it's like that military you, you getting that and it's like okay we used you to get up every line. morning at 5 a.m i used to run five miles a day lord then have to do push-ups i think you know, my daddy was related my to y'all my dad oh yeah <laughs> james pulliam <laughs> junior oh, i'm gonna have to say that when i see him the next time I'm no like, oh, you haven't you you don't realize like how my brothers are like like how yeah. they, yeah, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah, my dad, he was a Marine, but he was very, oh, James Pulliam, <laughs> bless him. But you know what? I appreciate it now. I appreciate it because he instilled in all of us such a work ethic. That's right. Um, and you know, and discipline mm-hmm. that's so very important. Yeah, and don't have it. he was probably a, definitely ahead of his time. Like, because, you know, when we were little, Kwanzaa and stuff like that wasn't as big. But my dad, Isn't like, that something? my you know, dad, I've never celebrated Christmas. Really, I've only celebrated Kwanzaa my whole life. Wow! But like, we did both. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad would make us sit down, and you know, like, it was always a history lesson. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, now I appreciate it. But I'm sorry, as I digress, can oh, you no, also, as you're telling the story, yes. because I feel like sometimes people they don't understand, like, when you say the Black Nationalists or the Black Panther Party, they hear the propaganda of what other people have said they are about and what they're for versus the actual doctrine or the actual, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like what the movement what was the really, what is, the meaning the really is. Meaning is. Because now it's kind of been turned, you know, a lot of times, oh, it's a terrorist this, or oh, it's, if you're a black, mm. if you're for black, you're against this white, or you're, they've tried to flip it into something that it's not. So what exactly? Well, hmm, what's interesting about that is a lot of times what people say in their reaction is because of what is put out there. Mm-hmm. So it has always been put out there that to be a black nationalist, you must be a terrorist. Mm-hmm. Um, but being a black nationalist and growing up and being a part of a black nationalist movement just means that all of those people just want our people to have pride in who we are mm-hmm. and not to feel like we're second-class citizens. Right. To know that we helped establish this country, you mm-hmm. know, and we built things. 
we did things here. We invented things. A lot of things. (laughs) The reason why these buildings are standing is because of the labor of our forefathers. And so it's just, it's almost, I don't want to use reparations because I really don't like that term. Mm -hmm. But it's almost because um, it's like we have to go out and claim what is rightfully ours because it's not given to us. And I feel there's a lot of correlation between, you know, this like back how African-Americans were very much the labor force, um, you know, for hundreds of years. And, you know, it's kind of ironic to me that the Hispanic, specifically Mexican, because they're closest to our border, have become the labor force on farms right. and different things like that of this generation. And, you know, haven't always fairly been compensated for right. the work and the and, and just given the yeah, acknowledgement. It's, form, it's a it's, form of slave labor. Right. And it's just interesting to me. That's pennies. It's almost like what happened to sharecroppers, you know, when they became sharecroppers. My great-grandfather was a sharecropper. Um, So I'm clear because it's, it's, I don't know if I've told this story on air, but um, my great-grandfather actually murdered my great-grandmother. And my Nana was there when it happened. And um, they were sharecroppers. And when... My great-grandmother, Laura Bell, died, and my grandfather, great-grandfather was sent to prison as a result. Um, it was just the children that were left. And our Aunt Cora actually just recently passed, passed away. away yeah. mm. She was the oldest of the children. And so she had to take care of everybody. what happened was the, the sharecropper whose land they were living on was like, oh, he was ready to put the children in the field. Like, oh, you go, you can stay, but, gonna work. but y'all going to work. You're going to work today. And gratefully, I'm very grateful that, you know, they all were able to go live with family for a moment. I think it was an aunt in Verbena. Mm-hmm. And then they, my Aunt Cora, who just recently passed away, and my Uncle Russell, who died many years ago, took them in and um, cared for all of them. And how many of, how many of them is it? It's a bunch. It's an 11. Oh, wow. Like, I'm like Uncle James, Uncle Sonny, Sonny. Um, Aunt Cora, Aunt Rose. Uh, like, I can't remember everybody. It's probably a it's, lot. It's a lot of. Yeah, my grandmother, my it mother's mother. Uncle James, who passed away. Uh, not Uncle James, Uncle. Um, Uncle Sonny. Un- yeah, we. Well, we can't Wait, name them all right now. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot. That sounds but like my, point is my, grandmother's, a- my grandmother, who's still living, by the way, she yeah. will be 98 in April. She is April's the youngest of 14. That's my, my mother's nana, mother. My nana is the youngest. Yeah. And she's been on the show. Nana's firecracker. Love my <laughs> nana. Nana listens to, hey, nana, we love you. Hi, nana. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so it's a very, I get it, that same, but go ahead, the sharecropper yeah, business. Yeah, so, I mean, but in talking about, you know, what it means to be a black nationalist, it's, it's really interesting because when you tell people things or when you talk to people about things or ask them why they don't question things, then people look at you like, you're an antagonizer. You know, so a lot of times, growing up, it's so funny. The way I look at things now, I look, people, now it's kind of cool to be African. Um, you know, to have an African name, to know Swahili, to know what Kwanzaa is. and People wearing dashikis again. Yeah, fake dashikis. <laughs> Let's talk about the fake dashiki right quick for a minute. These mass-produced... <laughs> African, quote-unquote, prints are not true dashikis. No, they're not. The fabric and the, no, it's just, no. 
<laughs> oh, yes. Lamont Sam for Sam yes, and Son. Yes, but Back the, in the day. Yes, but these that they have now, about, this material is not even the material of a dashiki. Wait, it's I have terrible. to show y'all a picture. So, my dad, again, <laughs> I don't know why he made me wear African garb <laughs> to my eighth grade. I was the eighth grade graduation speaker. In my He's African- trying to make a statement. <laughs> <laughs> it was genuine because my um, good friends of our family, the Doyumus, are from Ghana. So they brought me back the traditional garb. <laughs> Mind you, I'm at this like private school in central New Jersey. That's right. Making a statement. The only black girl, I think, in my class. Yes, maybe Mr. Maybe one other. <laughs> yes. And I was up there giving the eighth grade address in my authentic your, that's right. garb. Oh, yeah. All power to the people. Absolutely. All day. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, in wearing African clothes, I mean, yeah, we grew up wearing African clothes. You know, I have a hole in my nose. My nose has been pierced since I was three. Still here. I'm actually deciding that I may wear earring again. I stopped Uh, wearing it when people started doing it as a fad. Because I, I was like, I don't want to be part of that. Do you know what? This is really sidebar, and it is nothing constructive. But you know what? Always my old question is: when people have those nose rings, <laughs> how do you, you blow get your a nose? cold? How do you blow your no, nose? No, I just feel like it gets all like you just it you gets take a it out. Crusty. You okay. take it out. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> I mean, I took it out. Thank you for that. Same way I feel about people who have those stiletto nails. I feel like they can't possibly wipe their ass well. No, they can't. No, the wrap. The yes, those yeah, big nails. Yeah, no. I feel like. You can't possibly. They can't. It's either that or so your vajage is just. So what happens? Oh, too Who's much. Who's doing it? Too much sauce. Right. Who's doing it? <laughs> <laughs> too much sauce. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I know. We digress. We digress. <laughs> but you know what? On that, we could, we could take a quick break and we can come right back. And I'm feeling like this may have to be a part two to this because. Yeah, it might be because so I have some stories that I kind of want to share. Just a okay. few. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break um, right here. Candy Lakeisha. Stay tuned. Um, we'll continue talking our history, yay, the world's history, with Aisha Obafemi, Shardy, and myself. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Candidly Keisha. We are back here at Candidly Keisha. I'm excited to hear the stories because I've heard some of them. So Aisha, just... Go for it. Yes. Stories. Stories. Okay, so I mentioned that my parents are musical revolutionaries. So just a little backstory on that. So my mom actually sang with uh, Miriam McCabe. Do you know she was on The Cosby Show? Yes, I do. I met her. She was awesome. Yes. She was amazing. She just done. I didn't do it too good, though, but... (laughs) Trust me, I tried, and I can't do it. I can't. It's serious. (laughs) And she actually is from South Africa, and she was exiled for a time. And during the time that my mom toured with her was from 1968 till about 1972, 73. And for those of you who don't know who Mary Makiba is, she is um, from South Africa. She's an amazing um, activist, but her activism came through music and through singing. Um, and is it Ngosa? What is the name of that dialect? I must say that wrong, but I, I can't do it. It's the click sound, yeah. but... It's a specific dialect in Africa, yeah, in South Africa. In South Africa, from um, where she's from. From where she's from, and she, that's how she's saying. And I remember so vividly meeting her. Yeah, but just because a lot of people have no clue who Miriam Makiba is, but Google her. her. Yes, and she's okay. called Mother Africa. Yes. And so I said Miriam Makiba, but we actually called her Zenzi. That was her name, too. Okay. Zenzali Miriam McCabe, so we called her Zenzi. 
Um, and during the time that my mother toured with her, I was like one when they started. Wow. So I was able to travel the world with my mom nice. and her. Don't remember it because I was so young. Mm-hmm. And also, um, one of my greatest uh, memories of being on the road, if I have any, was that um, she was married to Kwame Touré at the time, who was also known as Stokely Carmichael. So <laughs> um, when I referred to him as my uncle, people were like, that's not your uncle. I'm like, I've it known is. that man since... I was one and toured the world with him. He was my caretaker while mm-hmm. they would be performing. Oh, I love it. So that, you know, is how history starts. And so the people, there are so many people who are part of my family who I grew up who would visit my house. Nina Simone also, my mom sang with her too. She would visit the house. Hugh Masekela, who was married to Miriam at one point. Um, and as another great musician, if mm-hmm. you don't know who that is, you should Google, Google him as well. Um, so these are people who, to me, it's regular for them right. to stop by, sit down, we chat. And then, you bring, know. And then bringing it to it, not to in any way minimize, like, those are freaking greats, like, period. Um, but for the younger generation, to, to really help you understand this, <laughs> Tupac is her cousin. <laughs> Y'all know who Tupac is. So, like, he'd be at family dinner, too. Yeah. It's all, all normal. <laughs> right. All regular. And then on my father's side, uh, Grand Puba is my first cousin as well. It's my father's nephew. Yeah. Our fathers are brothers. Crazy. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it's one big, crazy family thing. And my second dad, Bilal Suni Ali, is an original member of the Midnight Band, Gil Scott Herons. Oh. Man. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that? I didn't know that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah, this is like history. In he actually the performed building. on a Saturday Night Live when um, Richard Pryor um, hosted it. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So he's on there. So yeah, we did a lot of touring. So mm-hmm. I used to tour. So I knew like all the jazz musicians, and because we were around them, they got married when I was nine. Okay. So I was old enough, you know, to remember and meet people, and, and that it is, was a great experience. That is such great experience, and I know that's something that I definitely definitely want to give Ella in terms of. Not just the book and the school experience, which is very important, right. but also the life experience, yeah. the living, you know, visiting different. Because when you visit different cultures, different mm-hmm. continents, different, all of that, it just gives you such a different perspective yeah, and appreciation for other people that when you're, when you only live in a microcosm, just in a small area that you don't get. Because I know one of the greatest experiences for me was when um, I went to Africa. I went to um, Equatorial Guinea. It was it was kind of cray because there was a lot um, going on there from a political standpoint. Yeah. And I did, honestly didn't know all of what I was getting into. Um, and But it was one of the most life-changing experiences I've ever had. And I'm grateful I didn't know before because had I known, it may have deterred me from going. But I was supposed to be there. And the experience of going to the coast and seeing actually where the slaves were were passed through mm-hmm. to go onto the ship and seeing the different sizes of holes for sorting the mothers, the fathers, yeah. the children, seeing the little one that the babies came through. And the most, the saddest part of it all is that above this place, 
where underground the slaves were passed to the Mm -hmm. ships. Above it was a church. Above ground, it was worship. It was this, but underneath, they were selling people into slavery. And that was one of the most spiritually, like, I'll never forget, I when I touched the wall where it was, you could feel the energy of the ancestors. And literally, whenever I went to sleep while I was in Africa, it felt like every unrested spirit would talk to me. Like, it was this crazy, like, where every time I would close my eyes, it was like every one of them had a message to tell me. And all of them wanted to tell me at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's this knowing that, and they were very clear with me about, you have a job, you know, it's, it's bigger. And that's why it's never been about me. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than all of us sitting in this room, but it's about the human race. You know, of course, as an African-American, as a black woman, I identify with that. But ultimately, when you peel back the layers, it's all about us treating people the way we desire to be treated across the board, you know, because we all have such similar struggles. We've gone through persecution, whether you're Mexican, black, Jewish, Irish, like every everyone has had it on some form, even, you know, Muslims that are getting it now that that's why it's always baffling to me when people can't recognize their struggle and their history and what someone else is facing now and have empathy for that other person, even if they speak a different language, even if they call God a different name, even if they come from a different part of the world, their skin is lighter, if their skin is darker. Ultimately, the essence of people is the same. It is. But if you look at it, we're the ones who are persecuted over and over again. It's 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 re- repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, when... I think of what's been happening, you know, over these last few years with police killing Uh, innocent people and just just killing, killing. Um, I'll be 50 in a few months. So I've been on the front line and done those walks and marches and and done all of that. Um, So I really don't like to do it anymore because I just feel like. I don't know where it's getting us because now here we are again. It's time to do something different. Yeah, we're 20 plus years later. Time to do something different. We're still marching and it's not changing. <laughs> the, do you know the definition of insanity? <laughs> Doing the same thing and expecting a different, different result. result. Absolutely. But you you, it's, you brought up, um, you know, just kind of the police killings and that sort of thing. And this week um, would have been Sandra Bland's 30th, 30th birthday, birthday. Yeah. and Trayvon Yesterday. Martin's 22nd yeah. birthday. Yeah. So, you know, just to continue to recognize the people who, oh, you know what else? This is such a random sidebar, but this is kind of how my mind works. I was reading an article about Emmett Till. Oh, yeah, I read that. Recently. Mm -hmm. And the woman who had. Who was the reason why he was killed. Who was the reason why he was killed um, recently has come out saying that she lied, that it wasn't true. And. That he didn't touch her. Um, that he didn't touch her. He didn't, like, he didn't, none of that yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just grateful that she's finally told the truth, and the truth has finally come out because I believe it was a journalist. I don't have it in front of me. I'm sorry. I'll give it, get the information for you next week. But I did read it, and it was a journalist who had interviewed her family, 
and I'm not sure if they actually got to interview her or if it was. I think they did. They did interview her before. I think they were able to. What happened was her first, she was now remarried to someone else. And I believe it was kind of a fear thing with her former husband where she told this lie. And as a result of this lie, that Emmett Till Till was brutally murdered and just completely disfigured and all of that that happened. Um, but I'm grateful she finally came out and told the truth. Yeah. yeah. Grateful. And, and the thing is, is and when you're going back to what you said about questioning, you know, it's imperative that we do that. It's imperative that, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, that's, that's what school should teach us instead mm-hmm. of just regurgitating information, yeah. but being critical thinkers and learners and that inquisitive piece is something that I will always encourage, not only in my child and my nieces and nephews mm-hmm. and my Camp Kizzy kids and my Project James and all kids. You know, there, isn't, there are no stupid questions. Right. But it's important that that education starts at home and a lot of time it doesn't. Right. So that's why we can be back here at marching 20 plus years later because 20-something years ago, those parents of these same children— weren't concerned with what was happening in the community. But now everybody, you know, is up in arms and that's okay. Be mad, you know, do something, but look at what history, look what we've done. Mm -hmm. And that just goes back to us not knowing our history. Mm -hmm. So not only going back to slavery, we're talking about 40 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. People don't know what happened then. So when you look at those things, like even now with sharing you know, stories about how I grew up and where I came from. I do it because I think it's important for people to know, um, and especially for a lot of people who know my family, you know, and they're like, Mm. oh, wow, I didn't realize, you know, why you guys are so close. You know, we're close. My family is everything, you know, Mm and we're all very close. But the way we were raised and, and the way we were taught, you know, we knew that we only had each other because you never know what's going to happen out here. Mm-hmm. And there are so many people who want to see you fail mm-hmm. that you don't get the support, you know. So it's great when you can have that circle of people who, who know you, who appreciate who you are and the differences that you bring and want to ask questions and know things mm-hmm. because a lot of times people don't. The problem is people think they know everything already. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And I always say, you know, the smartest person in the room is the one who realizes how much they have to learn and what they don't know. And I always would rather be that person versus the know-it-all. Right. Because we don't. You can always learn something. You learn learn something every day, whether you admit it or not. Absolutely. (laughs) I do, too. So, Shardy, you haven't said much today. Honestly, I'm literally taking it all in. Like, I love hearing stories. Like, I I like telling family stories. I love hearing people's family stories. And it's amazing. Like, your family stories are, like, it's my history. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're really intrigued. I'm just listening. I'm soaking it in. (laughs) Well, I think I should mention, too, while we're talking. So I have mentioned my mom um, a little bit. And Keisha knows because she was right there with me and by my side. Her and Miss Denise, um, my mom passed away last June, mm-hmm. June 17th, 2016. So um, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's good for me to talk about her now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little hard before, but it's good. And 
going back to last year being the 50th anniversary of the Black Panther Party starting, I actually went to the New York reunion, which is, mm-hmm. you know, where she started and she was a part of. And I thought that it was going to really, really be emotional because she wasn't there and my Aunt Afaney wasn't there. You know, mm-hmm. they both were a part of that chapter. And it just felt good to be around all of their comrades and everybody, Hear you know, story. was loving. <laughs> yeah. And it felt really, really good. And I was so glad that I went. And it was good for my spirit. So I just had to mention my mom. She is the with you. Falani Nandi Suniali. Yes, she's with me every, every day. day. Every day. I have goosebumps. She's here. Yes. Mm. And I'm happy. Yeah. So what else do we want to talk about? I don't know. We've we've had our whole history lesson and the Black Panther Party. <laughs> yeah, and there's more stories. Oh, uh, there's so many stories. Yeah. Like, I'm just I'm just I'm grateful that you have decided to be more open and share because that's also part of the growing and doing something different. Yeah. Is that people have to share where they've been. People have to share. And I always say this, like everyone has a story. And everyone, you know, it's so important to not only and share the highlights. And you'll read about my story soon. Ooh, ooh. Mm. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You got to, I mean, <laughs> yes, it's a definitely a serious topic. and But I still think you can celebrate and have fun. Oh, and it doesn't to. have to be so stoic. It's all about and, celebration. Absolutely. All about celebration. All about celebration. So a little bit about my dad. Yes, let's talk about My Baba Ahmed. Is he here so, or did he go back? He's in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. Tell us so that. Um, my father was born in uh, 1938, so he was part of that doo-wop era. Your daddy had a conch. Yes, he did have a conch, <laughs> and I have a picture of it. Yes. For those of you who it. don't know, that's back in the day when they used to perm their hair straight and like... But it was short, and they would curl it and, you know, do all kind of things. Yes. Yeah. A la, if you saw the Malcolm X movie. Yep. But when he was uh, Malcolm Little and they Big turned red. the water off, mm-hmm. remember he was put he was perming his hair and he had to take it out in the toilet because maybe I was the only no, one who yeah, saw that movie. I saw it. Called? Did you see the it's Malcolm... It's called a conch, but yeah. did you see No, Malcolm, I know the style. Malcolm I know exactly what I just didn't know that's what it was called. Yeah, it's called, called a conch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my dad had one. <laughs> and so my father <laughs> also was... Um, he was the founder of a couple of doo-wop groups, the biggest one being the Love Lords, which we have music from and everything. They made records. <gasps> my dad has won Showtime at the Apollo with the group. Oh, my, my goodness. My dad knew Frankie Lyman. Really? Yeah. A lot of history, you know. A lot of oh, history. Oh, yeah, y'all have to write a book. Y'all, y'all yeah. sound like um, you need yeah. to write an encyclopedia. A like, few y'all of need, them. Y'all my, need yeah, there's, <laughs> volumes. There's a few, yeah, there's a few books that can be written. My father was also um, the founder Besides being in the Republic of New Africa, he was a founder of the Malcolm X Grassroots Movement. And um, in New York, he was instrumental, very instrumental in getting Lenox Avenue uh-huh. renamed Malcolm, Malcolm X, X Boulevard. Boulevard. So, for, those, yeah. for those of y'all who aren't friends. If you Google that, if you Google Malcolm X Boulevard in New York City, you will see my father's name. Oh, As part of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. And it's so interesting because to me how we share in the whole, like the family being from the South. Like that's where the roots, because my um, my mom's side, of course, was Alabama, Montgomery, um, that whole kind of area. They came, they migrated to Montgomery mm-hmm. from like Verbena and all these other places, yeah. and Aniston and what have you. And then my dad's side of the family was from uh, Georgia and Northern Virginia. And then they all yeah, kind of converged mm-hmm. to New Jersey. Yeah, and they migrated. And then we come back, like, mm-hmm. and all their children come. And back. And then we all came back. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So crazy. 
I love it though. But you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful I have the combination. I'm grateful I have the because there's a different. I don't know. The North is a different. The, vibe. It's just a different vibe. I hate to use the word swag. I, I, that's a horrible. I'm like all of those trendy <laughs> lit swag that aren't me. But, it's, but your it swagger is, is different it's when different. you're home. It's different. I was in New York a few weeks ago. It's different. And it's different. It's different. Your mindset is different. It's like you. Okay, I'm in New York. Get you your mind right. Speed up a Remember little where bit. You're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to go home. You but know, I'm for a little so bit. Excited to come back. But, oh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I love it to go for a few days. I'm like, okay, yeah. all right. Crazy. See you soon. This is definitely home. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I'm excited to just. You know, it's really crazy now with a whole new generation. Like, oh my God, your girls are in college. I can't handle it. They were. <laughs> I'm getting old. They were <laughs> some of the first girls of the first class of girls. Camp so Camp Kizzy. Kizzy, I will never forget because we talk about everything at Camp Kizzy. Mm-hmm. We keep it a hundred percent real. We talk about the hard stuff right. because what I know is is that if we don't tell them the right way and don't give him the right information, they'll be dumb and dumber. Searching, you know, yeah. blind leading the blind, Listening asking each to other. Whoever. Yeah. So it was hilarious. I, I always tell this because it was the funniest. So they um, we released them because that was when it was a day program before it was overnight. So they come running around the corner. Mommy, Keisha showed us pictures of dirty vaginas. <laughs> oh, my God. They were nasty vaginas. <laughs> and, I said, and I think I said, yeah. She said, uh-huh. good, yeah. good. <laughs> and she was. I think they were expecting her to be like, Oh my goodness, Keisha, what did you do? I was like, no, yes, I oh, showed you those know. pictures yep. because I wanted them scared mm-hmm. to death. Mm-hmm. I wanted you all to know the real real about when you make grown-up decisions. If you want to be a grown-up, these are the decisions that also come with being a grown-up. And are you ready to face this in addition? And believe me, they appreciate it now. <laughs> yeah, and then after that, after being at Camp Kissing, was that, that was right before Beauty Shop came out? And we, it, was after was it, after? it was after that, yeah. Okay, so it was before Way Camp Kizzy when we went. So they already thought they had ownership of Keisha. You know, they were like, oh, that's our Keisha. So we went to the movie. They were like, Mom, Keisha's skirt is too short in the movie. Like, I'm playing a character. She's acting. I I'm said, it's all right. She's acting. Yeah, that came before. Beauty <laughs> Shop came way before Camp Kizzy. They but were so funny. That is so funny because, yeah, like. Yeah, it's hilarious. But, yeah, so you have to. You got to tell them what the real deal is, and I'll never forget. But, actually, speaking about Camp Kizzy and Project James, I got – it's always so encouraging when I get, like, little messages from parents or what have you. And along those same lines, um, a mom actually texted my mom today and was just like, thank you, because, you know, she was saying that having that hard talk about, like, sex with Mm -hmm. her son and condoms and what have you – and her husband is one who kind of kind of acts like those hard topics that he'd rather just not discuss them. Right, right. And so she was like, okay, I got to have this conversation with my son, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. And then he was like, well, she, she you know, started, well, do you know about it? He was like, yeah, Mom, we learned about that at Project James. It's so, it's, I know, it's okay, don't worry. <laughs> and she said that she just was so relieved and, like, cried after, like, when he got out the car from school, was just like, and she texted my mom. And I was grateful for that because sometimes – you don't know. Like I, I did, I did what I felt I was led to do, mm-hmm. and given the lessons to the kids, I was give, I was led to give them. But those little pieces of reassurance are always yeah, amazing because you don't always know. Don't always know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I know my mom hasn't like because my mom is the executive director of Camp Kizzy, and sometimes she kind of looks at me like, "You gonna talk about what?" But I'm like, "You have to understand that they're talking about it already. This mm-hmm. isn't anything I'm introducing them That's right. to." 
This is already what they are doing. And I was, I'm a little, like, I know now, but, like, when I first started Kim Kizzy, my mouth was, my jaw was to the ground listening to some of the things that these kids were talking about and bringing up and asking me about. I had to Google. I'm like, what the hell is that? I don't even know what to say to this one. And the terminology of things. Is very raw. Scary. Yeah, my girls, you know, my girls wound up being homeschooled for the last year and a half of high school. Mm -hmm. But... That high school experience was really interesting. The things that they would come back and tell me. And I'm thankful that, you know, we have that relationship so that you can talk they about could come it. and talk. Yeah. Like what happened in school today, you know, and they were talking about the whole, I don't know if it's still a thing that oral sex is not sex. Yeah. But that was still happening no. in high school. Let me tell you. And they were telling me like the bathroom. Oral sex is in sex. Yeah. And then because like Planned Parenthood has been an amazing partner of ours. Love, love. Thank you guys to Planned Parenthood. And we have to do everything we can to keep them open with this changing administration because they do so much more than just like like people are just like right. oh it's abortions no they do prevention they do cancer screenings they do um, you know checkups for men as well as women they mm-hmm. do so so much that people don't know about but they're a big partner of mine and they were seeing different diseases like herpes and what have you in the armpit. And in other pl- like body areas, because not possible. only yes, because what they're doing is they're having sex, like using it's their sick. armpits in between the boobies, oh, like yeah. The, yeah, yeah, the friction, the friction. of it wow. to like wow. not just oral sex, but having sex with, yes, and then the other thing with like you wow. know, sex not quite being sex. Like there's so many different things that these yeah, kids were who doing. This crap? I don't it, know. No, the lies. It's still sex, guys. Yes, it's still sex. Yeah, no. but yeah, in- very interesting. And then they'll be like, well, I'm still a virgin if he hasn't put it in there, in the vajay. No, sweetie. No. No. And you need to go get tested. But, you know, that was really (laughs) common, though, when I was in high school. All the girls were like, oh, yeah, I'm still a virgin. Girl, no, you're not. But in what reality? Right. But in their mind, and again, that goes back to not having those lines of communication open and not, you know, not having those hard conversations mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're getting their information from their friends and they think that's okay. Oh, Lord. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, Ella's going to grow up around it. She's going to be like, Ella got enough people that's going to be she, like, listen. She is good. First of all, everybody will be look, watching her, so she's going to be scared. She, she is going to be. There's nowhere she's going to be able to go. It was so funny. I Because um, like we've been kind of getting out and about now and... Um, I was telling you guys, I don't know if I said it on air, but this is my first time leaving my baby. Aww. I mean, she's with my mom, but still, it hit me as I was walking out the door. But when I, as I was kind of waking up this morning, I was looking outside and it just looks so nasty out. I was like, I don't need yeah. to bring her out in this. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to run, go do my podcast, and then come back home. Speaking of which, it's about time for me to go because my you boobies, <laughs> <laughs> my boobies are like, give us free <laughs> this milk is about to jump out of here but i'm grateful my milk production is is there thank you god i was joking last week i was like i could sell this on ebay i got so much milk. Oh, wow. <laughs> somebody would buy it no sure. i'm but a you, lot no, of no. people would buy because don't people actually sell their- people do yeah. like there's actually a thing i couldn't imagine doing it but hey to each breastfeeding his own. other people's babies right but there are people who actually buy breast milk like if they can't breastfeed because there are a lot of great um you know it's the healthiest form that right. you can give yeah. your baby i just don't know what you've been eating what you've been doing to be able yeah. to i can't do I that trust personally 
which, you know. But hey, but yes, my boobies are like right now, and I'm not going to lie, if my breast pump wasn't so loud, I would be pumping as we speak right here. But y'all would hear like <laughs> in the background. And I don't think James, James is like, I have two kids, but I, I draw my line at you breast pumping in the studio today. But yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, I must say, I mean, this whole breastfeeding thing is, is, I'm, is a sport, man. Yeah. Nonstop. But I love it. I love my baby. But on that note, you know, I just want to thank you so much for coming, for sharing thank your you stories. We'll have me. to do this again. Yes. Um, where can people, like, if you, I don't know, is your social, social media? media? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I haven't been on Twitter in, like, forever. I don't think anybody has. Yeah, Donald Trump. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Y'all yeah, can just be mad true. I said it, but he uh, is. <laughs> but yeah, on Instagram, um, at Aisha the Blessed. Aisha is spelled A-I-Y-I-S-H-A, the blessed, which is T-H-E and B-L-E-S-S-E-D. Woo-woo. Hey, Shardy, do you, have you ever given you, do you want people following you? How do you feel about this? I Do you have random people calling you Shardy? You do. I do. I'm sorry. I, I like it, though. It's cool. It's cool. I can give my social media. I mean, it's Shardy Manzi, no spaces, C-H-A-R-D-E. M A N Z Y. On everything. Well, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm not gonna give away my Snapchat. Yeah, we don't. We, See, I don't Snapchat. I can't do it. Yeah, I'm too old. I just like having my personal contacts to be able yeah, to see I my can. snap. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I have a Snapchat. I just haven't been on it. When you're between feeding, changing poopy diapers, uh, <laughs> washing clothes, then trying to eat something in between. Mm-hmm. And hopefully sleep. showering and sleeping. Right. You don't really have time to do it. But, you know, hey. Coming together. It's coming together. It's coming together. I love motherhood. I so must So people say. just remember that Black History Month is not only February. It's every day. All nope. day. Because I'm black every day. Black. Every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do this again. And we'll do it in like. June, just to shake it up. Yeah, let's do that. June. But thank you guys again. This is Candidly Keisha. It is Friday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your day. And um, we'll be right back next week. Same time, same place. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.